this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are with our guest, Robin Jackson. Thank you for being here, Robin. We are thrilled to have you on our show. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. Well, thank you. This episode, we are focused on trust, how it is essential for relationships. And with this in mind, we could not think of anyone better to have this conversation with than Robin. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Robin Jackson? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Like you said, our guest this episode is Robin Jackson. Robin is passionate about building better schools. As the CEO of MindSteps, Inc., she has helped thousands of K-12 administrators and teachers develop the clarity and confidence to turn their classrooms and schools into success stories. Jackson combines her experience as an English teacher and middle school administrator and her work in thousands of schools and districts to help teachers and administrators develop rigorous instructional programs that provide students with the support and motivation they need to reach or succeed the standards and helps refocus vision, mission, and core values to build better systems. She's the author of 10 books, host of the School Leadership Reimagined podcast, and an internationally recognized keynote speaker and consultant, and we're thrilled to have her on the show today. Okay, Robin, we want to dive right into this conversation about leadership, trust, and how it really relates to buildership, the concept that you talk a lot about. Throughout your career and your publications, you've championed student success through better systems. You stress being passionate and driven by a clear vision. Let's start there. Can you tell our audience how this relates to buildership in schools and how that drives improvements? So the first step, if you're going to build a better school or build better relationships within your school, is you have to have a vision for where you're going. So we have a concept that we've just been playing around with at MindSteps called the school hierarchy of needs. And it's very similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So you know that you can't help a person self-actualize until you started out by meeting their physiological needs and then until you help them feel safe. And so schools have a very similar progression of needs. And once we understand that, then any problem we face in our school can be solved by just going back through that hierarchy. At the base of that hierarchy is having a clear purpose. And your purpose is comprised of your vision, mission, and core values, and then how those align, how well your school is aligned to that. Everything from your disciplinary policy to your master schedule, everything gets into alignment with that vision. So if you're going to build trust, the first thing you have to do, the thing that's more foundational than how nice you are, or um, you know how many cookies you put in the staff lounge, or how many months you spent doing a listening tour of the school, What's most important is do people understand the vision, mission, and core values of the school? And is there alignment between your policies, your practices, and that vision, mission, and core values? So it all starts with that vision. Where are we headed? What is the promise we're making to 100% of our students? 
And once you start there and you align everything to that, you naturally build trust because people can, can predict what you're going to do. There's, uh, there's transparency around what you're doing. So you have that consistency, you have that transparency. So the more you have a clear vision and then the more you do the work to align it, all the other things, the relationships, all those other things begin to fall in place. It has to start there first. Robin, we could not agree more. We truly believe that the vision, the mission, the core values, everything needs to be anchored to that. I don't want to lose sight of something you mentioned, though. And if you could help us understand why we live in this world, though, you mentioned that vision, mission, core values are more important than us just being nice then the, the cookies being brought in, and then also like the listening tours. Those are things that build healthy relationships, but they don't always equal trust. Can you dive into that a little more and help our audience understand why things like vision, mission, and core values really dive into trust, where these other things are nice to do's, but in the long run, don't do what we want them to really achieve. So the way we were trained in this leadership paradigm is that we were trained to do all the niceties, but we weren't necessarily trained in building the foundation. And so even how we write vision, mission, and core values, it's different if we, uh, if we shift from that leadership paradigm to what I call a buildership paradigm. So when you're a leader, you're focused on maintaining the institution that already exists. And the things that you talked about, the cookies, the listening tours, all those things are great for maintenance. They're not great for building. When you are starting over, when you are building something better, it starts with that vision. You have to help people understand what are we building? And your vision has to answer that. And by the way, your vision has to answer that for every kid. So whereas we were taught to write vague aspirational visions, the kind of vision that I'm talking about makes a concrete promise to every single kid in your school. So rather than all of our students will achieve their potential and become global citizens that will, you know, all those things that the, the vision statement bingo that we normally play, we put those aspirational phrases in that don't mean anything and you're not ever held accountable for anything. So if you're not, if you don't, if you have a vision like this, how can I trust you? Because what do you mean by global citizen? Do you mean that all kids have a passport? Do you mean all kids are bilingual? Do you mean that our kids have a healthy understanding of our place in the world and can navigate the world easily? I don't know what you mean, how can I trust you? When you have a builder's vision, that vision is very clear. And it's something like 100% of our students will be on or above grade level by second grade and maintain that throughout the rest of their time at our elementary school. Now I put something out that you can hold me accountable to. And you can trust me because if I align my actions towards that goal, then you can trust what I'm doing, even if you don't understand it. If you know that everything I do is gonna be designed to get all of our kids, every single one of our kids on grade level, then you don't care if I'm a racist. You don't care if I'm a Democrat or Republican because my politics is, or my, my, my racial views or my views on gender or you know whatever conspiracy theory I believe in or don't believe in or my religion, none of those things are factoring in because I promised you that regardless of who that child is, if they come into my school, by the time they're in second grade, I'm gonna have them on grade level. So now I don't have to weave through and read between the lines of what you're saying. You put a vision out there that I can use to hold you accountable and that creates trust. 
The second thing is your mission. We were taught to write a mission that really is a regurgitation of our vision. It talks about all these things we wanna do, but really the only role of your mission statement is to explain why the vision is important because that puts boundaries around your vision. So if I say, I want everybody reading and, and you know performing at or above grade level by second grade, that could come a couple of different ways. I can drill and kill them. I can, you know, I can, I can give the kids the answers. The mission holds me in integrity. It says that how I'm going to do that and why that vision is so important is that, you know, so my mission might be that I want to create independent thinkers and learners. That means that when I get kids on grade level, I have to do it in a way that also helps students become independent thinkers and thinkers and learners. So that puts boundaries on how I pursue that vision. That creates more trust because now you know, here's what you were promising me that we're going to build together. And this is how you're going to build it. Now I've got two things that create more trust. The third thing are core values. And the way I teach it is the core values you don't create. The core values are owned by your staff because the core values are what we will hold non-negotiable as we pursue our vision. So we don't have core values like respect because that has 25 different definitions. It depends on who you're talking to and the day you're talking to. But when you have core values like the ones we have at my company, like our first, our number one core value is a drama-free work environment. So that means that when we're pursuing our vision and we are, we, we have to do it in alignment to our mission and in a way that's drama free. So now if I get clarity around, here's what we're building, here's why we're building it, and here's what is important and non-negotiable around how we build that thing. If I lay that out and then I work to stay in alignment with that, you can't help but trust me because I've laid it out, I've given you the parameters around my behavior to which I am promising to be accountable and to which you can hold me accountable. Robin, a ton of what you're saying is resonating. I know with both Joe and I, let lots of stuff that we write about at the Schoolhouse 302. I mean, I'm, I'm taking tons of notes here, um, specifically that, um, when the vision and mission are clear, the environment becomes predictable. Um, leaders need to improve the culture, not assimilate to it. I, I wondered though, if we could diagnose the problem just a little bit in terms of what you have said here, why do leaders fall into this trap of maintaining versus building in the first place? And why is it that we stick with the vague and aspirational and ambiguous vision and mission that we inherit when we take the school over? Like, why aren't more people in like an automatic mentality of building upon what they inherit when they become the leader of the school versus what we typically see? I mean, I'm sure you've, you've thought about that. I mean, where, where are we going wrong here? It's the biggest challenge I face. And I think it is because of how we were trained. We were trained though. If you look at most leadership training, it tells you how to tweak your way to success. It tells you how to take what you're doing and make slight improvements and you know that incremental improvement mentality. So when you go in and do the listening tour, the listening tour is designed supposedly to make sure that people get to know you and think that you're hearing them out before you come in with your vision. We're also taught to create a shared vision. I don't think that that's right. I, you know, There's an old joke that someone told me one time and the joke goes like this. The, the question is, what's a camel? And the punchline is a camel is a horse built by committee. And when we do that shared vision and we keep asking everybody, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? 
instead of having this clean, clear vision, we have all these clauses. So and so won't, you know, won't vote unless their clause gets in the vision. And before long, you have this vague aspirational vision that says nothing because you started out trying to build a horse, but when you subjected that racehorse to a committee, you came out with a camel. So I think the first reason is that our leadership training does not train us to build, it trains us to maintain. So many administrators were taught, this is what it means to be excellent. To be excellent, you have to go in, you have to get hurt. Now, yes, you need buy-in, but the way that we're trained to get buy-in actually creates more confusion, right? So we say, all right, let's take a, a vote for our vision. You, after you've gone through that long excruci excruciating vision exercise in the media center after school, when you're hungry and looking at your watch and figuring out, am I gonna get out in time to get, to get my kids? You'll vote for anything after that kind of torture. And then after it's done, then now you have to live the vision. Now you have to be in alignment with the vision. And all of a sudden you're like, well, I didn't vote for that part. So I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not be in alignment with that part. So we set ourselves up for a lot of the chaos because we were trained that this is the way to get things done. And we know in our hearts that it's not, but we are not getting messaging that gives us permission to do something else. If you look at principal evaluation tools, they always have, did you create a shared vision? So I think I need to subject my vision to a committee when re in reality is, let's say we create a shared vision, but we're not pursuing it or it's too vague or then you, you're no better off. So my idea of a shared vision is by the time I'm finished coming up with that vision and sharing it with the staff, the staff now buys into that. The staff now owns that vision. That's all a shared vision means. But we think it means, oh, we have to create it step by step together in order for it to be a shared vision. And that's just not true. So we were trained this way. And we believe it's true because there aren't a lot of voices out there giving us the counter narrative, showing us what elite principles have known all along, that these things aren't true. And those people are pursuing something different. Robin, I really like the, the term you just use, uh, counter narrative, um, something that's the antithesis of the typical training we receive. Looking at that as a whole, the, the traditional ways and means educators are trained, how we move through the ranks to leadership. You know, thinking about that um, and switching gears uh, slightly, is there a person or a group who you follow for either like knowledge within this, this space or inspiration within this space? And where could we find them? Someone slightly different or group slightly different than the norm. Uh, when it comes to like leadership and development? This is a hard question to answer because I think that a lot of the leadership training that's out there is saying the same thing. It's it's the reason why we, we have bought into this false narrative about what it takes to be a good leader. So for me, I try to look outside because I feel like when you can, sometimes you need a different perspective you know, if you're entrenched in this work, if you're in schools every day, you kind of hear the same story. And if you ever want to kind of think about things differently, you have to step outside. So it's hard to narrow it down to one. I can tell you the where I'm listening right now, but it varies depending on what I'm interested in or what's 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 um what intrigues me or what where I'm stuck. I feel like it's important to have to listen to a lot of different voices. So I love podcasts. 
I listened to tons of podcasts. And if you looked at my podcast feed, it would look like a, you know, like what I don't understand you, Robin, because I listen to a lot of different voices. And then it's about taking those voices and putting them together to, to kind of create your own narrative that I think is where you get the most insight. But if I had to narrow it down to one, the podcast I'm really listening to right now is a podcast called Hidden Brain. And the reason I like that podcast is because it helps me think about the way people think differently. And because I'm in the business of education, really understanding how the brain works and some counterintuitive ways of, of looking at how people think and, and, and looking at different ways that people behave. It's been really helpful for me the last couple of months, especially as I've been trying to figure out how to make change stick in a school. Um, so that if I had to pick one right now, that's the one I think that's been in my ear the most the last couple of months. Thank you for that. And we'll link to that in the show notes, Hidden Brain. Um, and we do ask our one thing series questions, but you don't have to stick to one thing if you don't <laughs> want to, if you feel compelled to, to share too, we know how that is. What we're trying to do is curate, synthesize and communicate how leaders think and grow. Um, and with that in mind, is there one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? So we, I have a program called Buildership University and it's where I coach principals. And the thing that we've been really doing and it's making a huge difference right now is that we try to challenge our assumptions. So we've been being very intentional about challenging our assumptions. So when we have a problem, we list all of the assumptions we have about the problem. I can't get anything done this year because of COVID. Um, my teachers will never go for this. And then we turn that assumption on its head. We play around with it. What would it take for my teachers to get to, to go for this idea? Why might my teachers not go for this idea and how can I address it? So we start kind of taking the, the assumptions that really drive our behavior and we're turning them upside down. And I find that if you do that every day, you start, where, where you were blocked before you start to see new pathways forward, where you, you start to, to interrogate the belief systems that are holding you back, that are keeping you stuck, that are keeping you from pursuing you know, that 100% goal for every single student. So when I say 100% vision and people start balking, I say, okay, so let's talk about why you're balking. And we just list all the reasons why it can happen. And then we start challenging those assumptions. And all of a sudden, 100% not only seems doable, but necessary. Robin, if you wouldn't mind, can you dig into a little why you started that Builders University and how that may differ from traditional like courses that we may take? And, and you've definitely hinted on this about the training and, and so on. But, you know, it's a it's one of the main reasons TJ and I do this. Right. We want mm -hmm. to get, you know, people in touch with other people who think a little different, who are who are really pushing education in different ways. Can you explain how you landed on designing that university, why you did it and how it may differ um, from some traditional paths? So somebody described Buildership University the other day as like her professional church. And I don't know that how it go that far, but I think that's really funny because a lot of times when you are trying to do something different, if the messages are coming at you, this is the right way to do it. And you were trained that this is the, and people who become principals want to make a difference. And you're told this is how to make a difference. And you try to do that and it doesn't work. Then you feel like there's something wrong with you. 
when in reality, it's not you, it's how you were trained. And so I wanted to create a place where people could come and understand that there's a different way and strategies they needed to pursue that different way and be around other people who are doing it. You know, like one of the things that I find that's really hard is that people get so stuck in their school that they forget, they lose sight of their vision sometimes. So a place where you could come and see other people doing it, you could get encouraged by their success stories. You can start building your own success story and being able to do that in a safe place, in a place where you're learning specific skills that you are working hard and harder on applying a model. I couldn't find it out there. And so I just decided to build this home for builders. And that's what we have, Buildership University. That's powerful, Rob, and I appreciate that. And I love the whole notion of, um, you know, doing things a little different for people, seeing things different. I, and I love the phrase professional church. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty powerful. Um, along those lines, um, you know, this is really making an impact. Um, I know people directly tied to, you know, my organization and so on that have really speak highly of uh, the buildership, what it's done for them professionally. Um, within that context, what's one thing that you want to know or be able to do that you haven't already? I mean, there's so many things, right? I'd love to know how to get in the bed before 2 a.m. You know, I'd love to have how to turn my brain off and be able to do that. Um, what I'd love to do, the thing that I, that I, that I, it's been a part of my life's work is, and I, so it's something that I'm, I'm learning more every single day, but I don't still know how to do it completely yet is I'd love to figure out a way to help people believe in their possibilities. I, I just feel like there's so many people who are stuck because they can't see beyond the challenges in front of them. And the whole reason why I even started building this concept around buildership is to help people see the possibilities beyond them. So that is really the, 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 the focus of my life and my work is just, if you can build the belief in people, that's where I find it so hard. How do you build that belief in people? If you could help people believe in themselves and their ability to change the world, they would change the world. And so, you know, that's what I'm still trying to figure out. Yeah, it's an important, it's such an important concept and we're learning more and more about the importance of it through self-efficacy and collective efficacy and the power of that. I think the power of that in social psychology and as a social construct, but in schools more and more is coming out about yeah. it. So we ought to, yeah, we ought to continue to work at that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I, as a leader, as someone who is growth oriented, who wants to, you know, improve school systems, what's one thing that has led to or continues to support your growth as a leader that others might be able to replicate? You mentioned podcasts, but is there other intentional practices that you have that you feel are leading to your personal growth? I think um, one is to get outside of education and read widely. And I'm talking about literature. I'm talking about listening to podcasts, talking to a lot of different kinds of people in a lot of different kinds of fields. And then, and then the second thing I would say is question everything you were taught, because that's the goal of education for us to be able to be independent thinkers. And what happens is we say we want that, but the way that we run schools means that we default to what's always been done. 
And I see so many people who are great students in schools, who, who question things, who, 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 who want that for their students, but have turned it off for themselves in their own careers. So we have principals who are in charge of schools who say our mission is to create independent thinkers and learners, but they don't question the assumptions of the, the leadership construct. They don't question the assumptions around what they're able to do. So the way you overcome that is you've got to get out read widely. You've got to, you know, listen to people who are outside of your bubble, try to hold, you know, ideas at once in your head. And when you practice that, you, 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 you open yourself up to possibilities you couldn't see before. But if you stay stuck in the bubble of, you know, just put your head down and get work done, then you never ever open yourself up to alternatives. You never stretch your own brain. How can you continue to stretch your teachers and your students if you're not stretching yourself. An excellent point. And, you know, one feature that TJ and I produce monthly is our read this series, which obviously, like, thank you. And one of it is for that a whole point of, you know, what is else out there? So we would definitely feature like your work, your book, but then what's outside of education yeah. that really speaks to this as well? And usually there's a, a ton of info, especially um, that isn't necessarily recent, but just as important. We find yeah. that also. So one uh, final question, Ron, we get to this, and this uh, typically is uh, a question some wrestle with. What's one thing that you used to think that you don't anymore? I used to think that people's opinions of me were more important than they really are. And so I governed myself based on those opinions of me, but I realized that their opinions of me have nothing to do with me. And they limit, if I, if I use those as my North Star, they limit what I'm able to do. What's more important is not their opinion of me. What's more important is that the, the, the person I project is consistent with the person I'm trying to be. And so when I hear people's opinions of me that are inconsistent with the person that I'm trying to be, my question isn't about, you know, I don't look at it and say, oh, I need to shrink or I need to do that. Instead, I look at it and say, I, I question my own life and say, Am, is my life consistent with who I'm trying to be? And if the answer, if their opinion tells me something, shows me a place where I'm being inconsistent, I go and I can fix that inconsistency. And then it's good feedback. But if their opinion of me is critical of, of me, but I am still being consistent and living in integrity with the kind of person I want to be, then it's also information. It says, okay, that's good. I am doing, I'm still living in integrity. So yes, you can use other people's opinion of you to be self-reflective, but it shouldn't govern your life. You know, people are going to tell you all the time, especially when you start becoming a builder and having that 100% vision, people are going to tell you it can't happen. They're going to tell you that you're not, you're never going to, that's nice. Shoot for the star, the moon, this moon. And even if you miss, you'll be among the stars. No, you can achieve it. People are going to tell you that um, you are crazy for, for letting your staff choose your core values. What if they come up with the wrong core value? And you can say, I can trust my staff. And when we come up with these core values together and we be, make them non-negotiable, we're going to be better. It's going to build more trust. So you can't listen to other people's opinions about 
what you are capable of. What you have to do is make sure that you are living in integrity with the values uh, um, that, that, that you hold core and dear and that you're being consistent with who you wanna be. And as long as you're doing that, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. And I, it took me a long time to get there. It's such great advice for leaders. Um, the, the sheer, I mean, somebody might not like you for the very thing you're trying to achieve. And that is okay. Um, it's okay. It's okay. So, I mean, it's great. It's a great place to kind of end here. This has been fantastic. I mean, a lot, a lot. I mean, Joe uh, compressed into this short uh, time with Robin, and we thank you so much for being on the show. Is there anything else that you would like to add for today's listeners? No, other, other than um, I have a podcast where I talk about these things all the time. And I'd love to, if you're interested in this concept, I'd love to invite you to join me at the podcast. It's called School Leadership Reimagined. And we broadcast every week on Wednesday. And I'd love to, for you to join me over there to continue the conversation. And we'll link to that to the show notes as well. So thank you for that. There you have it. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts, and video blogs, always on the topic of leadership. We hope you enjoyed this one thing series on how school leaders can build buildership and specifically build trust in schools so that we can go faster and farther together and so much more with Robin Jackson. Thank you, Robin, for joining us on the show. Thank you. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code. 
at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com. Ghostbed.com.